you don't think right, it doesn't matter what strategies you have. If you don't, you know, if you have all the strategies in the world and you, you know, well, vice versa. So if you don't think right, you have good strategies, it ain't gonna get done. If you think right and you don't have good strategies, it ain't gonna get done. So you have, you know, the bottom line at the end of the day is you have to be able to uh, uh, to perform and and close the deals. And you do that by how using the best uh, the best strategies out there and having the, the best thinking that's gonna ha help you uh, help you do the highest ROI activities. And at the end of the day, it's about, you know, it, it, it's really about having both in place. Welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast, where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories, successes, goals, and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom. Today, we're here with the king of the South Side, Frank Montreux. Frank Montreux has been in the business for over 40 years, a top 1% producer for the vast majority of the year, uh, those years. And so he knows what it takes to be a heavy hitter. He knows what it takes to get the job done. And today, we're going to talk about what you need to do, who you need to be to be a top producer in this market and in any market. So in 40 years, uh, tell us, how many market cycles have you seen at this point? Uh, this is lucky number seven, gentlemen. So oh. I've seen, yeah, you know, the, it, what's interesting you brought that up first because, um, you know, that leads me into a, a very, very crucial point is for, you know, is, is one thing that we, you know, we have, that I have that, that helps the, this, this years and years of experience. So one thing that I know beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know it through experience is that guys in the long run, Real estate does this. It goes up in the long run. In the short run, it's doing this. There, you're either going in an up cycle or you're going in a down cycle. And you know, and and the interesting thing is, uh, we we we're, we're out of that that pandemic, that crazy up cycle. And you know what? Unfortunately, what that does is that spawns laziness because it's easy. So a lot of these agents that were never worked really hard. And so now they're really having, you know, the, you know, I, I, I used to get a kick out of watching all these agents that all, that all of a sudden got business because of the pandemic, not because that they, they did all the right. And we're going to talk about what, what to do uh, to bulletproof yourself during a, a, a hard time. I'm so busy. I can't, you know, you know, people ask, how, how, how's your business? I'm like, as good as I want it to be. See, I, I'm the dry, you know, I'm the dry, the economy doesn't drive my business. I drive my business. I am intentional. So, you know, that is one of the key things uh, that separates a top producer is that we are intentional. You know, the, the, you look at the people that, that are, are uh, an average agent or sub average agent that's widely successful during the uptimes, like the pan, the post pandemic, anybody with a pulse is going to be successful. And then they start posting on Instagram or Facebook, and you know, giving God the credit and give you know, no, it, it, it's it's that you know. And, and I, I kind of felt bad for them because I'm like, they're they're going to have the rug pulled out under them, and then they're not not going to know what to do. And now there's a lot of agents that are already exiting the the business. I mean the. The amount of agents that left in 2008 is, uh, was astronomical. I mean, it was up there around 80% at, at one point in time. Um, and they're, they're, um, I think nationwide, 
I've seen a lot of different stats where they're talking about 40 to 50% of the real estate agents are going to be leaving the business. And I, I think in one article as high as 60%. Now, if you don't want to which, be, which is a, it's just a standard deal, right? It's, yeah, that's it's always much, like doubling and halving every yeah, cycle. Yeah, every cycle, same thing, man. Yeah, right, exactly. And then when the up cycle, then everybody wants to jump. Everybody wants to be real. Everybody, you know, oh, look, they're doing nothing and they're getting a, a commission, you know. Oh, look, they're not even moving and they're getting commission, yeah. So they're, you know, <laughs> they're, they're barely breathing, right? So, you know, um, what, what's, what's, uh, what's interesting is, um, is it things, certain things never change. You know, Warren Buffett said, when the tide goes out, we, you see who's swimming naked. You know? Love and, that analogy, and, yes. Isn't that great? And, yeah. so, and so right now, the tide is out. And the agents that, were, that are lazy, that were, that were successful during the easy times, now they're exposed. Now there's no more praise the Lord and God is good and all my years <laughs> of hard work, uh, which is a lie. Um, you know, and you know, I, I, I'll talk about this stuff and I'll get posts online. Why are you so mean? I said, because life is mean because it, it's, I'm, I'm just being real. Why would I enable someone? You know, I, and I asked them why you, you understand if I pat somebody in the back for being lazy, I'm enabling them. And you know, you, people need to wake up. If you want to be in real estate, this is a business that requires hard work and consistency. And a, a lot of these people, you know, a lot of the agents will, you know, will will start giving up now because they have to actually work. So it's it's really um, you you really will see either a lot of agents uh, get out of the business or you know here here's one 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 tip I have for agents that that work hard, but now no business is coming in the door because and they they don't know how to get the business. So you know there's all there's two types of, of basic personalities, guys. There's the finders and there's the minders, right? So you, you're, you can be a finder or minder, or you can be a combination of both. So there's a lot of good minder agents. They can, they can go, you know, take, uh, or, you know, you might even call them order takers. They're really good at just getting, doing their task oriented, right? But they don't know how to go out and get the business. What I would recommend to, to those agents, if you really love this business and you want to stay in this business, is join a team with a strong finder. Someone who's going to bring business in to you or or um, uh, start buying leads or or join like um, um, Op City and Redfin because you don't have to pay until the deal closes. And, you know, I, I, you know, I, I love these people that are on high horse horses. Oh, you shouldn't have to pay for leads, man. You know, and then the next thing I know, they're promoting. Uh, lead buying. So, you know, in, 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 or I see organizations doing that too. Look, you got to, you got to figure out what works for you. And I'm no judge whether, um, and, and I, and I always preach to new agents, join up, you know, if, as soon as you can, uh, join Op City or join uh, Redfin or join, join both, depending on, you know, what the qualifications are, get some, get some, get some money in your pocket because that's what motivates you. When you start doing business, that's going to motivate you to go. Uh, to, if you want to decide at some point in time, I don't want to pay this 35% uh, finder's fee, whatever the fee is, fine. You know, then fi you figure out another way to, to bring the business in. But if you're not bringing business in and you're just a minder, you will get crushed on this down cycle. And this is where these are the people that, that really leave. The people that don't know how to hunt 
are the people that are going to starve and they're going to have to move on. And, you know, thank yeah. God there's so many job opportunities out there right now. They can, you know, they, they can find something to pay the bills, but you can't, you, you're not going to be able to pay the bills if, if you can't, um, uh, you know, if you can't bring a, uh, find a buyer or a seller. Let's, let's dive into, you yeah. mentioned before we started recording the 5 a.m. So let's talk about what does the mindset need to be? What does the schedule need to be like? Like, yeah. I mean, if you were this yeah. person's coach, football coach, or mm-hmm. of course, in this case, real estate coach, what, what does the daily schedule look like? What does the daily mindset look like? So, yeah, that's, uh, that's awesome. I can actually go, I'll go through my mindset in a second. I'll just, my thoughts I wrote down, but uh, what I review, but, but let's, let's go uh, through a scan of the day. So I will get up at 4.30, okay? I pray and read my Bible because I want to feed my spirit. And then I'm, I'm going to watch something either on YouTube or read something uh, that's real estate related. So I have a plan. So whether, like right now, I want to learn commercial because I don't know anything about commercial. I've got some opportunities. So I'm building and I'm going to be having lunch in the next few weeks with some top commercial guys picking their brains. So I'm going, I'm always, so top producers are always learning. Um, the, the, the deal with, with real estate is, as now um, agents, uh, newer agents are saying, this market shifts and it always shifts. And it's so what comes with shifts, changes, new opportunities. So if you're not staying ahead of the game, look at, look, you know, who knows what AI is gonna do to our business? You know how it's going to affect with this chat GPT and Jasper and all that stuff. I mean, you, you don't know. So anyway, so I'm getting off on a tangent. So I get up, uh, do my prayers, I read the Bible. Then I study. I, I'm, it's a minimum of a half hour. Every day I'm going to feed my mind with something new. And most of the time it's going to be, uh, so, you know, it's going to be directed toward learning something new and or start getting an update on the market. And the the what's what I uh, you know, absolutely listen to all the time is uh, MBS Highway, Barry Habib, um, Housing Wire, and Fortune Magazine are are the uh, those are the resources that that I have found that have the most accurate predictions in the in the market. Uh, Barry Habib is the gold standard for the uh, the mortgage industry. Um, I say I even subscribe to their website, even though I'm not a loan officer, because they're, you know, I'm getting like, you know, like hourly updates on interest rates and everything. I'm just into that stuff. So I um, it's important to me because I've been in this business so long. I I pay attention to the market shifts and I want to know what's going on. I want to know what's going on with the interest rates, um, because that's going to affect my investors and that's going to affect, you know, whether they're going to they should buy or. Uh, buy flip, buy hold, or if they're going to buy, you know, just for for example, guys, if if you're a flipper, now you have to buy completely different. When the market's going up, you can buy aggressively. So because you know, by the time you buy the property, close on it, rehab it, resell it, it's going it, to, it, it's very conceivable that values have got, will go up 10%. And, and now it's very conceivable it can go in the other direction. So I'll explain Actually, yeah. let me pause you there, Frank. Um, where do you think we are headed? Because obviously you mentioned that there's a lot yeah, of agents yeah. leaving and a lot of yep. people are in for a tough time. 
Um, and obviously, Not we'll good. throw the caveat out there. No crystal ball. Nobody mm. knows what's going to happen for sure. Yeah. But you've been through seven cycles. So, man. like, what so do you think is going to I'm going to cover two things that I think that are extremely important. And, and there's a lot more that we're going to we can get into. But uh, since you asked that question, I, I'm going to address two issues. And uh, number one is um, right now what's important for this cycle is interest rates. Um, because that is affecting affordability, affecting uh, buyer perception. So um, what, you know, uh, people always go, oh, my gosh, the Fed are raising the rates again. Here we go. Interest rate. And I'm like, dude, you know, you've got to understand that the Fed hikes deal with short term interest loans only credit cards, HELOC loans, um, car loans, stuff like that. Actually, and the beauty of it is, is I when I, I smile when I see a Fed hike because what because what they're doing is what they call uh, demand destruction. So what they want to do is they want to slow the demand down to slow inflation down because interest rates follow inflation. They don't follow the high rate hikes, you know. So and and, and so um, I'm all, when I'm looking at. Uh, the next, let's see, the next CPI report comes out on the 14th. So uh, that is going to directly affect um, the uh, the, you know, the inflation uh, and perception of inflation. And it should, you know, it's predicted that the rates will, will go down because of that. So, you know, the, the main driver of interest rates is inflation. Now, there's other things. The last couple of days, we, we kind of got a little beat up on rates because of uh, what's going on in Japan. And because of the uh, the uh, they changed the definition of unemployment and employment, so now the the report came out differently. So now that that's kind of screwed. Temp, that short term bumped up the rates about a quarter point. But I, I'm not worried about it in the long run. This year, uh, when you're looking at when I'm looking at the CPI numbers and I'm comparing last year's to this year's, we're going to be really good through most of the year. Uh, toward the end of the year, it'll get a little interesting. It could go up. Uh, March's numbers will be a little interesting. The rest of the year is going to be strong, so we're going to have we're going to have stable interest rates. Look what happened. Everything is, yeah, it's just, you know, it's just unbelievable. I mean, these rates when they went down to the high twos and the low threes, that was all artificially driven. See what people don't understand that isn't the normal. So that was the government buying uh, uh, all these mortgage-backed securities. Uh, uh, billions of dollars of mortgage-backed securities driving down these rates. And so um, when they stopped, when they decided, to, hey, look, we're not going to buy anymore, uh, the rates went up because the risk factor, I'm not, I won't get into the whole thing, but, but it becomes a risk factor for banks, so they got to raise their rates uh, to cover their risk. And so now they go back to normal. And so people are like, oh, my God, the interest rates are 7.1%. I'm like, you know what the, I've been in the business for 40 <laughs> years. You know what the, the, the average interest rate over 40 years is? 7.74. You know what? When I teed it up, when I teed it up in June 30th of 1983, when I walked in, the interest rates are 14.5%. Do you think that prevented anybody from buying? Think, think people said, oh my God, the interest rates are, four. No, they bought houses. Guess what? They built generational wealth. Get, they paid their mortgage off. They paid. They didn't pay the landlord's mortgage off. They paid their mortgage off. And so um, they, they, they then had money when they retired 
or they can pass it on. If when they pass, they can pass that uh, that money along to um, their family. You, you know, um, before, most before you people, go any farther, yeah. so so I completely agree with you that yeah. in history we go back to rates are higher. I want to get your perspective on this. When the rates were at 15, 18, 20% back in the 80s, house prices were a fraction of what they are now. I think one of the dangers, yeah. and correct me if this is really bad thinking, one of the dangers of having the low rates for so long for years on end is that it allows prices to balloon up. So the interest rate itself is not the problem. It's the interest rate at the current prices. Yeah. Is that a fair thought? or? Yeah, so uh, that's uh, spot on. So what I tell people too is, it's, um, you know, and, th and that's really where the, the secret of really what the problem is here. So the, the, the key is the payments. So people scream about the uh, interest rates or they scream about the prices. You have to you have to combine both together. It's the payments is where is the payment and and will prices have to go down? In some cases, yes. I mean, people ask me, well, you know, what's going to happen in the Chicago market? And, I'm, and my answer is where? What part of the Chicago market? Because everything is hyper local. Everything's you know. Here's an example. You look at Englewood, and like an area just east of Beverly, uh, West Washington Heights, uh, Roseland. Those areas exploded overnight for no rhyme, no reason. Just, uh, but you know the the reason was, is that interest rates were insanely low, like never seen before. We will never see those rates again. Uh, the, it is not normal. It's it's abnormal, and we will never see these in our lifetime again. And 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 so people are they're like, okay, uh, I need a house to stay. Um, I'm the I, I'm I'm where wherever these rates came from. God, thank you, Lord. And so I'm going to go buy a house now. So everybody's like, you know, it's pandemic. Everybody's got you know 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 offers on one house. So now what happened is people are saying, okay, you know what? I wasn't planning on living in these areas, uh, these other areas. I'm going to go in there now because I just need to get I, I need to get something, you know, to take advantage of the interest rate and to start building equity. And and, and that's really what uh, uh, what started spawning these prices up. So now, yeah, uh, do prices have to come down? Um, absolutely. In some areas, you know, some areas of the country uh, like Boise and Phoenix and Southern California are going to get crushed. Um, in Chicago, I mean, there's a lot of information about Chicago uh, being undervalued before it took place. But but really, uh, from a from a statewide level, um, you you know, we're we're probably pretty good compared to some other states. However, what you have to do he, here's what I do, and I wrote this down because I want to make sure that I cover everything. When I look at a house, and somebody and an investor says. Should I buy this house? And what is the ARV? So what most agents will do is they may go back a year because, you know, you hear the rule, like the general rule of thumb, thumb is event, you know, appraisers go back a year. Yet, well, see what appraisers know is appraisers know that the market is shifted. So appraisers are going back to when they saw the market start correcting. So if, if the market if if in, let's say we're going to go to Beverly. All right. And we're like, OK, so we notice a change in values um, start, uh, closing in September. So now we know that, um, you know, because we know the market was started correcting around July, August is when that's when the CPI numbers came out. They were really bad. And we knew that the rates were going to go spike up. 
So, but that takes, you know, a while for that to hit because then you got to close and you got to go through your financing. So it really wasn't until September that you started seeing a, a problem with, uh, um, you know, with, with, with values uh, closing. Um, so um, what, what, what I've done is, um, you know, I tell, what I tell my, my investors, you know, if, if, you, if you're out there and you're working with investors to flip, well, first of all, if you're working with investors that want to buy and hold, you know, my friend Jared Cott says, who cares? Because I'm going to pay it off anyway. I'm going to pay it off anyway, and I'm going to hold out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that also goes in line with, you know, should I buy a house? The answer is absolutely yes. Unless, now the general rule of thumb is two years. So the general rule of thumb is if you're in a down market you, you can, and you're going to move within two years, don't buy rents. But if, it, you know, usually three years and longer uh, gives you enough time to, for the market to rebound, start going up and you start, you can recapture your, your equity. So, I mean, that's one thing, you know, that's, that's one of the rules that I look at when I'm looking at, when I have an investor that I want to, that we want to look at a flip. um, The first thing we do is we go hyper local. So we're going to look specifically in that area. The second thing I want to do is go a month back and hoping that I get enough comps to go a month. If not, then I go three months and that not, then I go back to, um, to wherever the, the, I see it changing, whether it's September or July, wherever, you know, Usually it's, 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 uh, right now it's, it's, it's um, in most of these areas it's six months or less. So if I can to capture the closing, the properties are closing in there, I have a truer value of when our property hits the market after it's rehab, what it's going to be worth. We can't go a year back because that's back when insanity, when everybody's taking insanity pills and bidding up and, you know, going 30, 40,000 over and with cash offers and changing the market. Now the market's got to come back and it's got to adjust. And, and every area is different. You know, every area depends on affordability. It depends what is your audience and what is, uh, was the area undervalued prior? Was there enough buyers prior to, to, uh, to maintain that, that average price? So getting back, um, I know I'm covering a lot of information. Hopefully uh, uh, I'm not moving too fast that I'm making sense. So, um, you know, another thing you want to look at is, uh, days on market. So, you know, a lot of people say, oh my God, you know, the pro- you know, these properties are on mark- on the market for uh, 60 days before they get a contract, 30 days, 120 days. Look, you, you, what you have to do is you, if you have the knowledge base of what the average time is in that market, it's the markets are normalizing guys. You know, they're not, you know, everybody thinks, oh, the market, mm-hmm. oh, it's crashing, it's crashing, you know, we're not getting 40 offers in, in 24 hours. Now it's taking 30 days or 60 days to get a contract. Oh my God, you know, I'm like, will you shut up with that crashing stuff? You know, and I'll get into that in a minute too, you know? Yeah, I mean, that does, that's, that's yeah, a pretty right? normal market around it, us. Right? 60 days is, is, hey. is, that's a pretty standard market for my opinion. 60 to yeah. 90 is, is fairly normal. Yeah, um, anything in that time range, like under 45, that was a weird market. Agreed. Um, just your your thought process is bringing mm-hmm. up something else that's going on. So sorry to anybody that's not in the Chicago area, but we're also very high in foreclosure starts. So curious how you think that will affect the market. I was literally just on a hedge foot on the phone with a hedge fund guy today saying they have a major problem in Chicago. They have a lot of failed rehabs going on because they do private money loans. Yeah. And they're going to be foreclosing yeah, a lot of, a lot of these on. houses. So curious how you think that is going to affect it, it too, because- 
Um, that's all in your neck of the woods, man. That is all on the south side. He's like, they all have S's on them. And I'm like, that does not surprise me. Okay, Tansy, um, and I, <laughs> I saw a list too uh, today uh, of failed uh, rehabs. Here, here's here's the, the long and short of it. It won't even scratch the surface. And here's why. Back now, 2008, it would have been a different ballgame. 2008, we had um, way too much inventory and not enough buyers. And one of the reasons why we didn't have enough buyers is because of the population numbers. So the average home buyer is 33 years old. So if you rewind back, yeah, back when it actually started in 2006, it's the, the, the market started crashing. Um, you rewind 33 years. 1973, the population nosedived because Roe v. Wade was instituted. Abortion became legalized. Abortion became legalized then the population then uh, became very, very low uh, historically from 73 to 77. Guess what? Uh, 2006 to 2011, we had a low, we, we had low birth, uh, low first time home buyers. So with the, when you have a low amount of demand and high supply, the market, uh, the market crashes. So now we have the other extreme. We have, so in the late 80s and 90s, we had like people had babies. I mean, they were like, hey, you know, we're doing really well financially. Let's have a bunch of, you know, kids and run around. And, and so the good news is for the next 10 years, we're going to have high, high demand. So what it does is just the opposite. So when you have a high demand and we have low inventory, nationally low inventory, low inventory in Chicago, um, the, um, that bullet, almost bulletproofs. That's why we're, the market's not crashing, and that's why the market won't crash. So the rates can go up, and the market will can get soft. Sure, the rates go up at seven percent, and then what kicks in is buyers' perception the world's coming to an end. So that you know, and then the rates come back down, and then they, you know, it's crazy, man. I talked to the vice president of Chicago Title, and he's like, man, he goes, man, we're 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 just getting bombarded with with uh, with deals left and right. You know, in that, you know, so I always look at, you know, I always look at a few factors. So I'm looking at supply, I'm looking at demand, I'm looking at affordability, and I'm looking at perception. Those are the four, the four main ingredients. Now, there's all, uh, uh, certainly a ton of host more of things that, that affect the market. Those are the four big players in my, my 40 years uh, that I've seen that, that, that have the biggest impact on the market. So right now, um, we're, you know, you know, we, we went to uh, the land of easy to uh, the land of uncertainty. And so for these new agents, you, you millennials, uh, you're going to get learned to, uh, to either uh, level up or you're going to get out of the business. So, I mean, the, the beauty of this is, and so here's the thing, guys, I, I'd rather have, I'd rather have uncertainty than easy. Because easy, 100%. I don't get better. Easy, I don't exactly. get better. I, I'm I'm pushing myself so much harder, and I already put I already work hard. So I'll, I'll outwork. I'm 65 years old. I challenge anybody to 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 go at my my level at my pace and my my schedule. I, I I challenge anyone, and I I'll tell you, especially these young kids, man. I'll whip them like a, yeah, nobody's business. So, so let's let's talk about what mm -hmm. what does pre like what does the land of easy 
Frank Montro habits look like? What does the land of uncertainty Frank Montro habits look like? So, I mean, the land of easy is when um, there is an extraordinary amount of uh, buyers out in, in the market and, and their, the affordability is. So basically, it's when those four things all line up. So when you have, um, in, you know, a high amount of inventory, which we, which we didn't have, but we still had we had inventory coming out of the market. But we had an extreme amount of buyers with, the, with their affordability was through the roof because of the interest rates uh, were, uh, were a lot lower and their payments were dramatically lower. So they could afford a lot. And um, so what this has done and what this has done is this changed the landscape. Now, what, you know, what we're teaching home buyers are now is you're not going to buy your dream home now, but you're going to get into home. You're going to invest and you're going to build equity so that, you know, five years down the road, you have 50,000, uh, whatever the equity is uh, additional. You're going to take that money, sell the house and you're going to go buy your dream house until then. You know, we're, you're going to get a starter home or an entry level home, whatever you want to call it, and um, you're going to start building your, your equity. Maybe you'll end up staying in the in, in that uh, entry level home anyway, and, and build and pay it off and, and and build massive amounts of equity. You know, the average person uh, in the United States, two thirds of, of their uh, of their wealth is real estate. You know, and if you don't if you don't buy a house, you know, I hear all these people say, "Oh man, you know, like." You shouldn't buy a house. You buy a 24 unit man or buy this and buy, you know, Hey, look, you need to get whatever the deal is. You need to get uh, in real estate and you need to build. Cause I, cause you're doing one or two things. You're either going to build equity for yourself or equity for your landlord. So choose your poison. You know, do you want to build it for yourself or build it for your landlord? Very simple. So let me, can I just rewind and just finish up that one thing? Uh, yeah, the, and yeah. then then I want to hit on your habits. Yeah, okay, sure. Well, then we'll we we'll to that. So, just real quickly, talk about valuation. So, when I when I from an invest when I'm looking bring an investor and we're looking at a hyper local, so that town, whatever that town is. So, let's say we're looking at in Beverly. So, we're only looking at values in Beverly. Okay. Then I look at the days of market, see what's happening with that. Um, I'm looking to see what what the price spike was before the pre pandemic. And, and did that does that price spike affect affordability in the area? And I mean, areas like, you know, Beverly didn't go wild. So, that, you know, I, I have a, you know, uh, a strong belief that based on the, you know, the medium income there that, you know, we're going to be okay and values are not going to just, because if your median income doesn't support the new values, then you, you the values are going to have to come down um, or the property is going to sit for until they do. Um, you want to compare um, your your same style houses when you're looking at values. Don't compare uh, one stories to two stories and vice versa. The other thing that we do is we look at properties that are in deal pendant and properties that are active. Because if if I, if I'm uh, expecting a house to be worth, let's just take an arbitrary number, two hundred thousand dollars, and there's four houses that are listed active for one hundred eighty thousand. Guess what? When we get ready to sell. Those houses are going to sell for 180 or less. And if there's three houses that are deal pended at 180 or less, then that's the new value. That's going to be that whatever they close, that's a new value. So if I think if I'm looking at, at old listings uh, or even listings that are closed a month or two ago, 
But all this, the, the important, the really important numbers are what's still pending and what's active. Because if people are listing those a lot less, then that's going to be your new value when you come up to sell. So the, you know, that, how do I determine value of the area? This is the way I, I don't look at national averages and, you know, oh, Harvard universities, you know, I, I, I could, you know, I, I, I could care less. Uh, these, these are the things. And then also what's important is I try to teach, like I teach my agents is there's, there's bank value and there's consumer value. And sometimes they're completely opposite. And let me explain why. So blank value, of course, is all X's and O's. Square footage is this. This is a little bit less, so we're only going to give you, you know, we're going to give you 20,000 less or 20,000 more. You know, so they go through there. It's very X and O's, right? Uh, now, will it sell for that dollar amount? Could or it could not. Why? Why would I say it could not? Because what if the property has a train track running through the backyard? What if it's on a major street? Those are values, significant factors that, um, that someone in the family um, is going to say, I don't want to live around with a, with a train. I can't sleep with a train running through my backyard. I can't, you know, I don't want to have be next to a, um, a restaurant, you know, where the weekends we, we won't be able to park and there's going to be noises. And you have, to, you have to take in consideration is, are there any influencing factors that will reduce the value or increase the value? But most of the time, it's, more, it's the other way around. So, we're, we look at that too when we're looking at a house. So I encourage, hey, look, look, agents, the average agent is going to go and say, wow, man, hey, look, dude, a year ago, it was selling for $350,000. Yeah, I, I know. Yeah, I see these other comps. Yeah, I know they're more recent. But man, let's really go after this high value, man. Well, you know what? Back then, the interest rates were, were 2.5%, and your median income can afford that. Now the interest rates are, what, at six, or, you know, you can get, uh, 5.375 with, with Ida, uh, that's a substantial payment change from uh, 2.75 or 3%. Uh, that, that's a big, so that affects affordability. So if you're looking at year-old uh, uh, properties, you're looking at people that got much lower interest rates. It's, you're not even playing with apples and oranges. I don't care if the house is the same. You, you have to understand it, it, it all boils down to the payment, you know, it, uh, interest and principal. So, you know, it's going to their, their payments are, are going to be a lot lower back then than if they were to buy the house today. They probably wouldn't even afford the house today if, if the people that bought those houses that, that same house a year ago. So that's why, you know, this is where it gets really tricky. And this is where people, you know, your average agent just comes in and go, hey, man, look at this. Look at this cop. Look at this cop. And they're brain dead. They don't, you know, think about you know, any Actually, of this stuff. Frank yes. You're totally right about that. I actually laugh at most agents' comps, especially when an agent sends me comps. Like, it's so easy for me to point out everything they did wrong. As you said, they, they usually go too far back, especially with a recent market shift. Anything past September, I don't even care now. Um, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. I kind of want to flip this a little bit. So you, you're, you talk a lot about, like, how mm -hmm. a top producer thinks versus like a regular agent. So I would love to get your, your thoughts on this because me and Matt okay. were shooting some shorts on this the other day. Like, what do you think is more important for a top producing agent? Do you think the way they think is more important or do you think the strategies that um, they utilize are more Equally important? as important. However, how, however, um, you, if you don't think right, 
It doesn't matter what strategies you have. If you don't, you know, if you have all the strategies in the world and you, you know, well, vice versa. So if you don't think right, you have good strategies, it ain't going to get done. If you think right, you don't have good strategies, it ain't going to get done. So you have, you know, the bottom line at the end of the day is you have to be able to uh, uh, to perform and, and close the deals. And you do that by how using the best uh, the best strategies out there and having the, the best thinking that's going to ha- help you uh, help you do the highest ROI activities. And at the end of the day, it's about, you know, it, it's, it's really about having both in place because you can't do one without the other. Ex- you know. Yeah. In your 40 years of experience, do you think agents fail more often because of lack of strategies or because of lack of mindset? Uh, that is a great question. Um, I'm going to say, hmm, um, you know, I, gosh, it's, uh, a lot of it, you know, uh, yeah, you know, it's like, it's, it all, it all germinates out of, out of your thinking, but a lot of it, you know, I it really, I'll tell you what, it, it, what it, the people just don't want to do the work. So the bottom line is <laughs> at the end of the day, at the, and so they will typically, so, but see like part of our problems as human beings are we're wired to protect ourselves. You know, it's not, it's, it's against our nature to go kill ourselves. It's against our, I mean, we could talk our way, way into it and stuff like that, but it's against our nature to inflict pain on ourselves. So we have this, um, this like strategic um, force inside of us that knows uh, that will, that knows us and uh, they have a tactical advantage over us. So when we want to get up and go to the gym, uh, they're, they're, the, the tactical committee is already in play and they're going to, they're going to fight, you know, fight us all the way. When we, when we know we, we have to lead gen today, they're going to, they're going to throw, they're going to hit us up with a dose of fear. Um, so, you know, re- really, um, I, I would say this, I would say this much, all of it is equally important. Um, so I, I think what is, what the individual as an agent out there needs to do is they need to take an honest look at themselves and say, where am I failing? Because you are, you could be failing in every area. You know, you could be failing in the way you think, the way you do the systems or the way you, the, you act. I mean, most, you know, most agents, at least that are with bigger companies, they have access to all the systems, to the CRMs, the trainings, uh, to, uh, uh, to coaches, they have access to everything. So it's not a problem of having access, you know, training, everything. You can find that. So the question is, what is it, you know, what is it that um, that it prevents you from doing that? And, and, I, and I believe that it goes back to the core, which is you. So if you're thinking, you know, the, the, what I look for now when I hire agents, my, one of, I mean, you know, integrity is the number one, still the number one issue. But then the other thing is, um, I, I, I want that person, you know, that person, not, not necessarily with a chip on their shoulder, but with a boulder on their shoulder. So I, cause that's the way I grew up. I grew up and, and nothing came easy to me. And so I was always like, I'm going to prove to these son of a, that I, and I, so I, I have that like, even though I, I have a, a tremendous belief in myself, I also have that, 
that boulder I throw on my shoulder. I'm, I'm gonna, I got to prove to myself and everybody else that I can do this. It, it, it's, I, I can't explain it. I, I just, and, and, and I've learned, you know, I've, I've made the mistake of hiring people because they got nice cars and clothing and they talk nice and they look nice and they're, you know, they look like a million bucks and they, they talk like a CEO and, and, you know, yeah. Let, let me pause you just a second, Frank, because I think you said something very important earlier. Um, you mentioned that most people are afraid mm -hmm. of inflicting pain upon themselves. And that's like the body's natural response. And the way I'm interpreting that is. Uh, 100%. 100%. 100%. And so, wrong? you know, so probably uh, one of the, if I were to, if you can walk away tonight and you take the, even just take this one issue away is the only way to beat that game is to be intentional. So I'm intentional every day when I wake up. I go through my routine, boom, 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 right down the line. I got my schedule, and I know that I have to, I have to get alone and, uh, in, in, in an area when I'm, when I'm making my calls, I need to be alone. I need to have less distractions, minimize my distractions. Listen, um, if, you know, the problem with, with people in general is they're not intentional. They have no idea where they're going. They're freaking zombies. The average realtor is a freaking zombie. They're getting up. They're moving. You know, they're they're not even intentional about. You know, they oh, they have everything on their calendar. I don't know why, man. I don't know what I'm doing wrong, Frank. Everything's on my calendar. You're not intentional. Yeah, they don't do it. It's yeah. on the calendar, but they Isn't don't that crazy, do it. Dude? That, um, that's the next. Yeah, that's the it's next. There, they get next a reminder. Thing I see with a lot of agents. Well, yeah, I, I, like. I always tell, you know, people come to me and they say, hey, what do I do? And I, I say, you need to start calendaring your event. But I do that. I'm like, do you do the work? I'm like, well, you know, I get sidetracked. I get a call coming in. I, 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 I get on Facebook, take a break, get on Facebook. I said, that's exactly what you're not supposed to do. So you're not intentional and you're not committed. So you need to be intentional and committed. And I mean, when, when, you, when you're able to do that, I mean, what you look at like uh, Kobe Bryant, every year he wrote a contract to himself that uh and it was non-negotiable it was a commitment for what he was going to do how he was going to practice for the year and so he was intentional he knew where he was going for the year and he made a commitment and that's what agents don't do so you can't you can't you know you can't worry about you want, hey what about my sister dude are, are are you committed are you intentional because if you're not that's the number one thing you can't get, you're not even a first base, bro. You're trying to get the home plate and without even running the bases, man. It doesn't work that way. Look, for, you know, look, this goes out to all you magic pill seekers. There ain't no pill out there. There ain't no pill there ain't out no there. ain't no magic pill. It's called <laughs> hard work. That's what it's called. And yeah, I know you don't want to do it. So then if you don't want to do it, go, go find something that you enjoy doing because this is hard work. And the, you know, people ask me, dude, how do you work so hard? Why are you so consistent? Why are you, I, I love what I do. You know, I love what I do. I'm intentional. Um, I set up my, uh, my systems. I, I, I stay true. Am I perfect every day? No, but I'm pretty darn close to it. And, and I built, you know, it, it's all about building habits too. Frank, so. let me, let me ask you a question. You're absolutely right. I totally agree with you there. I think habits are pretty much the most important thing in the world. 
But you just mentioned how much you love what you do, Frank. Do you think you love what you do because you're so good at it? Or do you think you're so good at it because you love what you do? So, um, that's a, that's a, a really, really interesting question. Really interesting question. So, Tim, um, so I would say when I first got in this business that um, I love I, – I, I, I just love helping people, man. I love solving problems. And, and you know, when, I, when it came to award day, you know, even like when I'm with Keller Williams, I'd have a hard time getting out of the car. I remember I, would, I was in the car when the awards banquet started, and by the time I walked in, they're like, dude, you missed all your awards. And I was, I couldn't get, I couldn't physically get out of the car. I didn't, I, I, I had like a mind block. I'm like, I don't want to be here. I don't enjoy this. This means that, you know, my mind's gone. So I, you know, that now helping somebody out and then seeing them cry is, uh, I, I can't even describe what that does to me. I can't even, you know, that stuff, you know, that's my reward. But getting some stupid metal or whatever, no, that doesn't do anything for me. I don't care about the, I, I care about helping. That's like, a, it's like a drug, man. It's like a drug help. It's like a drug. Somebody comes to me and says, man, I can't find a house. I mean, or, or I, you know, I can't get a loan because this is screwed up. I said, come on, come on, come play with me, brother. Come with me, man. Let's see what we can get done. And then when I get them done and they're at closing and they're crying, man, it's like, man, it, it, it's, it's a rush, man. It's a rush. You know, uh, it's good mm -hmm. to have the money. It's good to have all that stuff. That's cool. That that isn't really my main driver. But yeah, I do. Obviously, I do want money, and I do. You know, I like the lifestyle. You know, and so forth. However, that isn't what, what gets me. Does that answer your question, Tim? I, yeah. Okay. Good. Absolutely, it does. It does, and and I know it's genuine too. So I mean, just to throw this out there, Frank was like our fourth interview, I think. Um, so we are bringing him back. We had several shows with Frank and Gary Davidson, and you guys, you guys say this term all the time, and I cannot forget it. It's like, we are going to give excessive value. And if you just look at the definition of the word excessive, mm -hmm. it is in excess. It is more value than you should be giving them. And Frank and Gary Davidson, they mm -hmm. lead with excessive value and just being near you guys for almost a year now, not quite. It is just the well, absolute Yeah, truth. no doubt. Like, you guys are successful because you lead with value, and <coughs> so, the money yeah, just so comes. Here's the thing. I've always been a people pleaser, and so it's been, you know, that's something I've had to overcome. But in the process, I started, like, doing too much, you know, where I was hurting myself. So I had to learn so how to back that off where I'm not hurting myself. So, you know, I became... You know, I I saw this excessive value thing, so I started driving that term uh, years ago. Gary picked up on. It. I remember I was in a meeting with uh, uh, one of the top people at uh, Keller Williams. We had like all these top producer deals, and so they said, "What's your you know, give me your mission or whatever." And I I used the term you know, provide excessive value. He goes, "Stop, stop! What did you just say?" And you know, it it, it was like a term he's never heard before either. But now it's becoming more and more common. So I hear more and more people talk about value, bring pride, providing value. But I mean, look, I just love helping people. So I have, you know, I have that in eight. It's built inside of me to provide value to whoever I'm dealing with. 
It's not like I'm just, hey, man, sign this paper so I get paid. No, it's like what, you know, it's like everything is built around helping them. And then I just, I, I'm, I'm lucky enough to get paid. I'm lucky enough to get, but you know what? I mean, the, the, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely the core of my business, the core of my agents. You will not be on my team and you will not last long if you're there for selfish reasons. And, and it's, it's not, um, it isn't, uh, we are not designed and put together to be selfish. You know, I'm a born again Christian. So my ties go even deeper into, into what value is and why. Uh, I'm required to give it away as well, too. Um, I've been, uh, God opened my eyes up to, 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 to help me help other people. And I have this gift in this area, and that's what I'm going to do. Mm -hmm. Can I pause you a second? I would love to come back to this. Actually, we need to. Um, I have a specific question about it. But we were just talking about your team and how you grow your team mm. and how you choose people. And I'm going to dial this back a little bit because you said you're looking for somebody with not a chip, but a fucking boulder on their shoulder. What is, what is the difference between like, how do you tell if somebody has a chip? So or a it's, you on know, that's a, you know, great question. And I'm going to answer this way, uh, is by me asking good questions and by me listening. So what it is, is people will reveal themselves eventually everybody is going to be oh i'm the hard worker i'm this i'm that i'm the perfect company person i'm the you know but eventually if you have enough interviews with the person they're going to tell you you know if they're here to steal your business and move on or if they're here to buy because they'll they'll start well what happens if in a year from now i leave and i you know take this business I'm like, you son of a bitch, gotcha. You know, so a lot of it is, but you know, it's that attitude. So it's when you miss out on the deal and I see the, um, you know, that, that, that anger in your, like, you want to win, but I mean, not that you're going to cut any corners or whatever, but you just, ha it's, it's a drive. You know, some people are like, oh, you know, oh, well, you know, I gave it my best, you know. I'm like, no, the hell you didn't, you know? And so I don't, you know, I, when I lose, I go back to the drawing board. What could I have done better? Yeah, you know, I'm like obsessed. I'm like, we're, I, I, I'm supposed to win everything. I, my goal, one of my, uh, one of my affirmations is I dominate. I do not compete. I dominate. I'm going to win every scenario I go in. If I'm going for listening, I'm going to beat you like a drum. You better not be getting my way. Um, that, uh, that, that's my attitude. And, 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 um, when I see people that, that walk with that kind of aggressiveness, uh, those are the people that are going to last and I can, I can navigate them and then they're going to be less this, the, those people, you know, the people that don't get discouraged as much, you know, are the people that, that, that I, you know, that, that, that have that, that attitude that, that they want to win all the time. And there's, there's nothing unhealthy about that. You know, you get these egotistical jerks that walk around that say, oh, you know, we're just here to have fun and, 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 and play and, and just get along. And, uh, the hell I am. You know, I had, I had some, you know, I was in a, uh, Keller Williams, uh, meeting and I listened to these couple, uh, uh, top guys in our office, you know, talk about how, what they use for scripts and blah, 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 how they do it. Cause I want to always hear what my competition does. Right. I mean, so I'm sitting there taking notes thinking, okay, so, they're going to say this, I'm going to bury them when I, with my, you know, with my, 
excessive value. So there's one, you know, so I'm at, I'm bringing up after the meeting, I'm bringing up all these points and I'm like, okay, so uh, this is what I would do. And so this one girl goes, uh, yeah. So what happens? And she's a newer agent. And she, she goes, what happens if I go up against Frank and a listing agreement? I said, you're going to lose. That's what's going to happen. Yeah. And then some other agent, oh, that was really mean to say. I said, really? So what do you want me to do? Enable her? You want me to, you know, I mean, you know, if, if I was in her shoes and she was in my shoes, I would be saying, oh, yeah, bitch, watch me. Because <laughs> now I'm going to, that, that just lit my fuse. And so right. why in the world would I dumb her I down? That. Frank doesn't yeah. compete. He dominates. No doubt, man. That, that, that's in my bro. <laughs> That is in my uh, my my affirmations, man. I I, I dominate, man. I dominate. I, I I keep and and you know here's the other thing too. So here's one of the differences. So yeah, you know people say yeah, dude. I do my affirmations in the morning, man. You know, and they're just not working, dude. I said yeah. I said do you eat once a day too, bro. Do you eat mm-hmm. once a day? You know, is that working? You know, would that work for you? I said I'm constantly reminding myself of my affirmations, especially the afternoon. I'm always once a day minimum. I'm going to review my my affirmation because guess what? Around three o'clock, my I start slowing down, man. I mean, I, I don't care how awake I am or whatever. You know, my I can feel. You know, I'm not as sharp as I was in the morning. Nobody is. You know, you start slowing down in the afternoon, and if you can light your fire up in the afternoon with affirmations, uh, that makes a difference. You're gonna that might make a difference of an extra deal. Give us the Frank Mantra affirmations. All right. So um, I'll go over some of them right, right here. Um, say them, number say one, them exactly how you'd say them to yourself. If you'd be shouting them, shout them. Like what, however, how do you fire yourself up? I, so he, here's the thing. So I don't, you know, you, everybody thinks I yell and scream. Mm-hmm. I actually learn about So um, I go, you know, I, I, it's like a combination I'll read, I'll read, this is like a summary. I, I won't, cause I get, it's like a lot more than this, but this is a summary of, of what I, what I, uh, the main stuff, the really driving points that are game changing points. Uh, I'll, I'll go over this, but I'm very, you know, I don't, uh, at, at the end, um, I'll throw on a, a video, like a David Goggins video or something, you know, where, you know, he's calling me a bitch or something. I'm like, yeah, then, then I get up, but I need this to get in my head. You know, I need this to, 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 to uh, to get in my head and, and, and I got to get um, so um, yeah so I I start off by saying I am intentional so I move with purpose and I have a big why and I'm going to instruct myself who I am today who am I today then I go into like a whole thing I am you know I am great I am responsible for my success there's nothing there's no person that is responsible for my my, my success. When I and so and I tell myself when I do that, then I understand that I have full control over my success, and I cannot have any excuses. So with the committee, I'm you know I start talking to myself like this: when the committee acts up with their bullshit, I'm going to shut them down and say, "Look, guys, I'm I am responsible for my success. So whatever you're about to tell me, um, you can you can save it because I don't believe in that. I am responsible." for my success. I am disciplined. I grind. I outwork anybody. I focus 100% on the highest ROI activity today. 
I constantly push myself. There is no slowdown. Uh, with this economy the way it is, I double down my work. I'm going to reach down and I'm going to find that extra gear. I have an extra gear inside of me today. I'm going to find, I'm not going to slow it. I don't slow down now. You know, I just tell myself, why in the world would I slow down? That is an insult to God. God created me to go fast, to go hard. And it's the world, um, it's Satan that wants me to slow down and, 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 and to fail and to be average. I'm, average sucks, man. There's no fun. I mean, if I go, if, if, if I'm going average, I'm not going to help as many people. And this is what I'm desired. I'm wired to, to help others and, and to, to create generational wealth and also to help them get a better lifestyle, the lifestyle that they dream and they want. Okay. Distra- I, am, I will not be distracted today. Fear, anger, ego, pride are my enemies. I despise them and I will guard against these thoughts in my mind. Now, um, fear and all these items I will embrace. So I guard them from getting into my mind. And when I get a fearful thought, I, I embrace. And, and I've trained myself now when I get that fearful thought. Because fear, I'm telling you right now, what stops 99% of agents is fear. Uh, totally. So this is the thing that I'm working on every day is fear. And I, and I uh, work on being intentional, uh, work on... I mean, you, you can, you know, say all the chances, but you need to be intentional. Uh, you need to be purposeful. Uh, you need to fight distractions because, you know, the people, if you want to get successful real fast, an average person uh, wastes six hours a day, an average business person. If you can fight off all those distractions and minimize it to, say, maybe two hours, you just gain four hours. But your average realtor wastes six hours a day. So think about that, how, how crazy. It's almost a full-time, almost the majority of your day uh, is, is wasted on, on BS. You know, on, on, I mean, I'm on Facebook for a reason. Not to sit there and, and, uh, and go into social land. Hey, Frank. Yeah. Brother, um, I am 100% in agreement with you. Matt has a dinner thing, and I need to ask you this question. I need to. It's okay. actually extremely important. So, like, one of the most amazing things about this podcast for me is that it has brought me closer to God because right. I, I kind of ran away from him a very long time ago. I didn't have a great childhood. Um, you had mm-hmm. mentioned mm-hmm. that you're a born-again Christian, and you also just mentioned that God wants yeah. you to keep running faster, and, and the devil wants to slow you down. So what I would really love to know is, like, what changed – from Frank Montro, because I'm sure you're kicking ass and helping people before you were born again. But what changed when the spiritual Frank Montro came to earth? Well, I mean, I got saved when I was 19 years old. So um, I was more uh, back then. I didn't have uh, any direction in life. Um, I really didn't have any reason to live. Um, you know, I was the guy that, you know, uh, we would we just party, man. You know, back then, uh, we drank beer and smoked weed. I mean, that's just kind of what we did, you know. And uh, I had no direction, no, no purpose uh, for doing anything other than enjoying myself. And so, uh, yeah, I still love helping people and so forth. But my main driver was 
was, uh, you know, having a fun social experience, experience in life. To me, that was why we're alive, just the party. The second that I accepted Christ and I started hanging out in church, I realized there's more to life. And I've always had this like thought in my mind, even when I was at parties, I'm like, man, this is kind of empty. And I just wasn't like, yeah, you know, this is what everybody's doing. This is the, the only thing I know. So I guess this is what life is, but it seems awfully empty. And then when I got introduced to church and I got introduced to the gospel and I'm like, this is exactly what I'm looking for. I'm looking for um, a, a, a purpose, a reason to live. And so, yes, everything, every one of my meetings, we start off with prayer. Every one of my team meetings. I had a guy in the other day um, that um, um, from ADT and he said, hey, man, he goes, I've been to a lot of real estate meetings. He said, this is the first meeting I've ever been to. And, uh, and I've been to a couple of your meetings. He said, you're the only people I know that, that lead with prayer. The reason why we lead with prayer is because we want to be purposeful. We want to be intentional. We want to, um, we, you know, we want to set off our direction um, as God would. It, look, the, the, the life, Tim, life is a gift. And um, we, we get so wrapped up in distractions you know, so the Satan, the evil power, whatever you're comfortable calling him, it um, is is there to distract us from being great. And we can't be great if we're distracted, if we're living in fear, um, you know, we're, we're serving ourselves only or our primary purpose is ourselves. Uh, and so that all that had had I've raised my consciousness to understand, wow, there's more people than me. In this world, I'm not the center of attention. You know, it ain't just about you know drinking beers and and listening to rock music and all that jazz back then. You know, it there there's more to life. And and as I learn and and get more exposed to it, it life becomes more challenging and more fun. You know, and more rewarding and less hangovers. <laughs> right on. <laughs> no kidding. You can't possibly right? miss those. Um, Frank Montro, oh, we yeah. will definitely have you back on um, probably multiple times. We could probably have you on the how to show yeah, like no problem. once Love a month um, <laughs> easily. Um, but Frank Montro, man, thank you so much for giving us a glimpse into your life and into your business. And to those of you out there chasing freedom, we have an assignment for you today. Go out there and try to find your purpose. Find the reason that you are here. Find what you are exceptionally good at and find what you could give other people excessive value with. Tell somebody you know that will help hold you accountable. And before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. So thank you for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one.